This episode of Truce Table is brought to you by Truce Table. By Truce Table. Black women's musings on life, love, and liberations everywhere where books are sold. Online, in the stores, at your mama's pop bookstore. Go buy our book. Everywhere. Period. Jubilee Financial Services, where we empower individuals, families, nonprofits, and small businesses to build tax-free wealth through affordable life insurance. Visit Jubilee Financial Services at jubileefinancialgroup.com. And Penguin Young Readers, publishers of children's books for all readers. Our mission is to ignite a universal passion for reading by creating books for everyone. Visit penguinrandomhouse.com. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Truth's Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. I'm Michelle. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, sisters. How y'all doing? Well, <laughs> I was trying to think of how to put it like all the single ladies, but it, that's oh, a lot of... It didn't really, it doesn't work out. I like it. I feel it. I feel uh, it. Uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> put your hands up. Yes. Come on. Take it back. Take it yes. back. Yes. We are back to a behind <laughs> the book, another behind the book episode. And I'm up. My, my chapter's on the table. My other chapter is on the table. Hidden mm-hmm. in plain sight. A single black woman's manifesto. Manifesto. <laughs> so, look, producers throwing a bum bum bum. Yes. Well, I yes. I, well, I'm so glad that you wrote. You decided to write this chapter. I felt like you know. You I felt like you kind of had to write it. I think you've you've written on this topic before. You've talked about it. I think <laughs> I think it's a part of. Um, so it's not it's not a part of your brand. It's not like a, a positive yeah. thing, like you know. But it is a part of your story, and I think there are a lot of people who identify um, with with this part of your story. They feel deeply connected to you because of it. So I just I, I'm so glad you decided to share in that way. So so I'll just ask you why this topic? Because I think writing about singleness is actually really risky if you're single. Yeah, and so I want to know why you decided <laughs> in my mind to write this risky chapter on uh, singleness. Well, I agree that it is risky Um, uh, because folks are not well out in these streets. But um, I, and it requires just a a level of vulnerability, you know, uh, that if you're going to do it at least well or do any type of justice to it, you have to be vulnerable um, about about this, uh, I think, very intimate you know, subject and personal subject. And so, so the topic to me was really important because of, you know, the ubiquity of it. I, mean, I just think, um, um, single black woman, you know, I think I even said in the chapter that every season, this is one of the most requested topics. Um, and we've been going for five, going six on six seasons. Now we're on a six season. This is the topic that is reoccurring and a reoccurring request. Um, and I know just even from my own life, I know, about the the sorority <laughs> of single black women that I referred to, you know, in the book that did not pledge, but they have find themselves in this sorority, you know, of single black women. I, I think they did pledge. Well, <laughs> yeah, maybe unbeknownst to us, we, we, we was hazed. We didn't know. We, we crossed some burning sands, didn't know, you know, <laughs> unvol- involuntarily, okay? Uh, uh, exactly. Involuntarily, I should say. But but yeah, you know, so I to me, it was really, really important. You know, I think about the... Um, my mentors in the faith and how they had to grapple, you know, with this and how they uh, process this, um, 
you know, whether it was great or bad, however you want to assess that. But um, it's just been a a reoccurring theme um, for Black women, I'd say for Black Christian women, um, and certainly Black Christian women in the church. So I don't know that you could write a, a book about Black women that centers the needs of Black women and not talk about singleness. That to me just seems like um, that would be malpractice, if you will, on my part. Theological malpractice if I didn't address it. Even though I don't love <laughs> addressing this, I had to do it out of love you know, for our sisters. And yeah. Yeah, I think that addressing things out of love, even when you, even when they don't necessarily excite you fully, roundly, um, is something of a labor that the Holy Spirit comes in and kind of takes the wheel and yeah. you know moves you through. Um, during during writing this topic that isn't anyone's true favorite, but it's so necessary. It's so pastoral, I think. Um, did you experience joys, um, times where you felt connectivity to the rest of the sorority sisters Um, and then singleness by different pathways, right? You know, I've come to singleness, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Through different ways as well. So what were some of the the joys or the discoveries that you made that kind of helped you to lighten the load as you journeyed through writing? Yeah. So, um, you know, you know, we always talk about true say about trauma laughter. Well, there was a lot of trauma laughter. <laughs> that I uh, engaged in while writing this chapter. I just, I, I really tried to be very real, you know, and I, I've mentioned this in some of our other uh, book episodes that I had to write in a different way to write this book, you know, and so I really was like writing to my homegirl sitting at the table and just literally thinking about like going back in the recesses of my mind, you know, <laughs> as a lifelong single, like all the different stages, all the things I've been through. Uh, I didn't share everything now. Come on now. Some things is for, you know, Jesus in the therapist, you know, uh, or, or just Jesus sometimes, you know, but um, <laughs> it was important for me, you know, to kind of, uh, you know, to kind of go into that. So, so, so yeah, some of the stats and the data are harrowing, you know, for black, for single black women that desire marriage to a black man. Let me just be clear. Not every I know I, I say this in the book a couple of times. Not everybody desires singleness. There is nothing wrong with singleness. Let me say that. The problem comes in is when you did not choose that, <laughs> and you don't have a a way of uh, of of making the choice. You know that's where the problem comes in. So I just want to be clear about that um, because there is a way where people talk about sickness in a foreboding way, and that's not what I mean by that. What I'm talking about, I'm talking about the systemic things that's impacted us. Not that singlehood is bad in and of itself. That's not what I'm saying. Um, so some of the joys actually kind of was kind of in the pain, <laughs> sunshine and rain. Um, so <laughs> singing now God's children, pump it up, pump it up. now God's children joy. <laughs> Uh, keep going now. Come on, keep going now. Sunshine and rain. (laughs) So, (laughs) no, but I will say, um, reading, uh, uh, Diane M. Stewart's book, uh, black women and black love, the uh, war on African-American marriage. It is sad, but I found, I felt invigorated and inspired to keep writing because I was like, oh my goodness, I am not crazy. I have, I felt like I've been gaslit all, all my life. Like she makes the argument that this is the biggest, you know, I'm not quoting, it's, this is a loose quote, but this is her, the, the argument in her book is really that uh, uh, um, 
the uh, 60, well, actually 71%, 62 to 71%, let's just say the stats, you know, from 2009 census or 2010 census to now, you know, we're still waiting for that data really to, to come um, to bear. But let's just say over 60% of black women, you know, have, have, have never been married or, or are unmarried. And so, and she's saying that is the biggest civil rights issue um, of our day. And I was like, oh my goodness, like, this is something that I have been hinting at and saying, you know, like on truth table and off, but not, but you know, but so, but, but like, and just f- like f- sensing that and intuiting, you know, that if you will, but to have that concrete <laughs> data and thesis put forward in a whole book is like, okay, like I'm reading this right. There is a real problem here, you know? And so, um, so for me, uh, although I, that might sound depressing to people, that was enlivening to me to know that, oh my goodness. Okay. Somebody else has seen this and there are, there's real data to back this up, this assertion up or this claim up that I've been um, feeling. So that for me did inspire me to kind of keep going because I saw my own story in, in her book, you know, and, for so long, I thought my own experience of singleness was so unique and it is unique, but, but I'm not the only one. She talks about the fact that many black women just don't have dating prospects and don't have them at all. And might even go on dates like very infrequently. And I was like, Oh wow. Like it was for me, it was good for me to know that because you internalize those messages and think that there's something wrong with you. And I mean, I think, I think there's an extra layer, right. Of, just what the data points out is that the numbers are just not on the side of single black women. It's it's yeah. it, 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 it's a num it's a numbers game because of systemic racism, yes. right? So the, the numbers are not there. But I think if you add to that conversation the additional layers of selectivity for black Christian women, yes. So yes, right. So because so so you could go on a date. But would it be you going on a date with who you know that the Lord would want you to go on a date with? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. you see what I'm saying? So, exactly. so it's, it's not like there aren't men, but there's also another, there's an additional standard mm-hmm. of the type of man that Christian women um, hope hope to be in relationship yes. with, right? So that they would be mutually uh, would be believers as well. And so I just think that's a whole nother component that I think you're able to speak to as well. So we're going to press pause here because we're going to let you speak to some more things about this manifesto after this short commercial break. Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation is a classic in the making, according to Tracy Michelle Lewis Jiggett, author of Black Joy, Stories of Resistance, Resilience, and Restoration. New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Jamar Tisby, says that people often say, listen to Black women. Now at Truth's Table, you have your chance. We don't deserve the gift of this book, but once again, Black women have generously served us all. If we are to actually alleviate the immense burdens our sisters bear, then we must heed their words. T. Morgan Dixon, co-founder of Girl Trek, says this, There is a textured knowing in this book, a spiritual enlightenment, made brighter by the author's own personal breakthroughs. The way they describe the fabric of our collective trauma makes me trust their solutions. And Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, founder of Therapy for Black Girls, says that Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, shines a light on some of our most vulnerable places as Black women, leaving no stone unturned. Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, is a clarion call to consider our communal truths by opening ourselves up to a deeper inner truth. 
by Truth's Table, Black women's musings on life, love, and liberation wherever books are sold. Akemini, you know what's sad to see um, when someone has lost a loved one and they're having to use something like a GoFundMe just to piece together the resources to provide for them an an honorable uh, homegoing service. Yeah, girl. And I, we've been there where we've had to bury relatives and have to, and this is pre GoFundMe, honestly, where we Mm -hmm. have to pull together money to bury our loved ones. And it's so hard when you're grieving, you don't want to have to do that type of labor absolutely, um, in order to give your loved one a dignified um, homegoing service. But we might not know how affordable and simple it is to obtain quality life insurance. That's why Jubilee Financial Group is part of the Symmetry Financial Group. Together, they partner with over 30 insurance companies to offer affordable solutions for mortgage protection, disability, retirement protection, term life, and more. Visit Jubilee Financial Services Group at jubileefinancialgroup.com to submit an inquiry and learn about how you can obtain affordable life insurance for you and your loved ones. The World Belonging to Us by Jacqueline Woodson, illustrated by Leo Espinoza. This nostalgic homage to Woodson's childhood in her beloved Brooklyn evokes the senses, the sounds of laughter and double Dutch rhymes, the sight of sidewalk chalk and bottle cap games, and the taste of an ice cream cone with rainbow sprinkles from the ice cream truck. The amazing diversity of the neighborhood comes through both in Espinosa's lively, colorful, retro illustrations, which depict black, brown, and white children, and Woodson's lyrical text, which describes kids calling out to each other in Spanish, in English, in Polish, in German, in Chinese. Espinosa depicts many characters with mouths wide open, emphasizing their unbridled delight in loudness. Author and illustrator offer a refreshing reminder of a pre-internet time when full immersion play was a summer activity and kids took full advantage. Now, Truth Table listeners can take full advantage of The World Belong to Us by Jacqueline Woodson and illustrated by Leo Espinoza by purchasing The World Belong to Us wherever books are sold. So we are back and we are over here interviewing uh, E today about a, sing- a single black women's woman's manifesto. And um, so I've got a question for you. You know, I, I would love to know what what ha- what you can share that has been left unsaid in this chapter. So in other words, if you or maybe someone else that you could tag team in was to write a f- a, the next chapter uh, in line with the manifesto, what would that be about? What what do you feel like is the next the next word on this topic. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you even uh, raised that the the additional layer, right, of being a Christian, right? Uh, or let me just say a devout Christian. Let me just say it that way. You know, <laughs> who, who does not believe in being unequally yoked, you know what I mean? And has um, uh, certain just com- commitments, you know, with um, my own, um, you know, the way that I enter into, you know, relationships, right, um, with my body and both my soul. And so, um, so that's, that is an added layer. I didn't get to, yeah, well, I kind of, um, when I'm writing in this book, right. Cause I'm, I am foremost, I am talking to black women, also black Christian women I put into that mix, you know? So I, 
some of these things I'm kind of implicitly are they're just implied, you know, but I could have made sure I, I could probably made that more explicit. I think that also another element that I didn't get to talk about and I just didn't know how how I want to enter. It's not that I didn't know how I wanted to enter into it, but I just, I don't know. Some stuff is just for family business. Even just talking about, um, you know, the skewed marriage pool, you know, um, and so the way that it skews in a in the completely different direction for black men, right? So they have the pick of the litter. You know, they got, you know, they, yeah, they, they're just swimming in, in options. Um, and then, and then just the factor of, um, and I don't have data or anything to pack back any of this up right now in this moment. I'm just speaking freely right now. Um, anecdotally, uh, my black women's own experiences of, Black men choosing to date non-black women, um, you know, and and interrogating preferences, quote unquote, right? <laughs> and so, um, and knowing that our preferences don't come out of some sort of vacuum, you know, some sort of um, you know, uh, uh, um, clear objective, you know, place, you know, that we are so socialized, our preferences are socialized, and what does that mean? And um, and so, and, and I'm not saying I'm. Um, anti-interracial dating. I'm not saying that, but um, but if you are always only <laughs> dating somebody that is non-black, um, that goes for black men, women, you know, um, as well. Then you have to inter- interrogate that. Why is it that I prefer somebody that is not of my same culture, my same background, my same race? Um, that that is odd, and I think that does deserve um, further examination, further investigation. Um, so I just didn't go, I mean, there were so many, there really were so many, um, aspects that I could have also touched on. Um, and yeah, and just even the, the impact of what it means to, yeah, I don't, it's, it's just a lot, you know, um, the impact even of, um, gender issues as well too. Like th- there's a lot of different ways I could have gone with the thing. I just was like, let me stick to this. Cause this is long enough as it is. <laughs> this was, this is long I was like, this is a long, this is the longest chapter, y'all. I was like, it was a true manifesto. So Manif- manifesto. There were a lot of things, you know, that I could have lifted up and put in there, but those, you know, so somebody else can write part two. There's a, there's so many stories to tell. There's so many stories to tell. Mine is only That's one right. of many. One of That's many right. is all, you know. Yeah, I was just thinking about how um so much so many of the sections of the chapter are personal, you know, it flows out of not just your in-depth research, but um, a lot of the personal stories. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of married women could write um, about singleness, depending on how long they experienced it, how far into adult life, um, or even, you know, from different perspectives, but single women have um, these ongoing journeys that they can mm-hmm. reflect on and that reflection um, becomes inspiration yes um, mm-hmm. as well as teaching um, right. what would what would you say to people who are teaching pastoring mentoring single folks maybe they're single themselves but generally their you know maybe their vocation is to shepherd and yeah. uh, focus on the concerns of um, unwed people, widowed people, divorced people, um, people who find themselves at the head of house, 
uh, with or without children, but they're adulting and they're adulting in a solo way. Um, yeah. How might this chapter um, move them or encourage them? There's a there's some really nice sections that say what the church should do, um, but how might you um, instruct or invite leaders to think about pastoring and mentoring single folks? Yeah, I think that's a, a great question. Um, you know, I would say that listen, do a lot of listening, you know, because I think that people have, um, just in general, uh, at least in the West, let me say, have a real um, discomfort with hearing people's pain, people's um, um, discontent, uh, people suffering, you know, you know, wherever they are and however they came to be single, right? Because there is some element of suffering, depending on somebody. If somebody was widowed, or you know, or or so their their spouse left them, you know, in the middle of the night and never came back, you don't know. People, there's all types of ways that people find themselves, you know, um, single. And so I, th- I would say, listen um, and validate. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Validate mm-hmm. their um their their concerns and the things that they're lifting up and sharing and um and and think about how you can come alongside them and support them. And so I don't think that people always and I think particularly in the black church because black women make up the majority of the black church. I don't I think sometimes um we we are not seen beyond what we can actually give and do for the church. I don't think this is always the case. And I don't think that's even the intention. Honestly, I don't think, I don't even think that is the intention, but that is oftentimes how it's felt. Right. And so it's like, you mm-hmm. see me show up, you know, and, and smile and praise and worship and all that. And then I go back to my home by myself, you know, but do you know how I'm scratching and surviving to pay bills? Do you even know that I'm scratching and surviving to pay bills? Do you know that there's real concerns for my own safety? Do you know that? Do you know that it's a struggle for for sister so-and-so to get down the steps, to get groceries in the house? You know, like practical things. Like are there, you know, what are the systems in place, places and the wraparound services that the church can provide to help um, singles? in the congregation, you know? So I think hearing the concerns of singles and asking them the questions, right? And asking like, are you okay in this area financially, health-wise? Do you need support? Asking those those intimate questions because who else is going to ask it of them? Some people are really, really isolated, particularly in this generation. People are really, really isolated. Some people really don't even have friends beyond their social media timelines. If they disappear from their timelines, some people, nobody got anybody to check on them, you know, because that their whole world is their social media timeline, right? For some people, you know, and so what do we do to go further? How do we do, what what, what does it mean to be, um, to, to walk with singles life on life in a very real and tangible way where they feel supported, you know? So, so I think hearing and then really being creative and imaginative around how to actually support um, singles, you know, because, you know, you know, Black women, we oftentimes don't look like we, what we're going through. We oftentimes do not look like we, you know, like, like we suffering and we going through. Um, but many of us are, you know, and it shows up when we dying at 55 and dying at 60, like, wait, why is this happening? Like, oh, she, sisters, she just fell out. What? Like, you know, so we carry mm-hmm. it, right? Like, you know, the body keeps the score. We carry it in, in some other ways. It shows up in some other ways. 
Yeah. You know, and um, this particular chapter, it makes me think about, um, you know, the voices uh, today. And I think it's, it's more of a, it's more contemporary, right? Because I think yeah. um, this, this sense in which we don't often know what to do with publicly talking about singleness as singleness amongst those who do, those who are single by circumstance, not single by choice, right? It's the differentiation I make. Um, so for those who are single by circumstance, um, I think there can be a bit of a stigma to name that in healthy ways that resists bitter. Cause I think, cause that, you know, what, what do you yeah. say back to maybe even your own inner voice or the external voice? That's like, well, you shouldn't be so focused on a man. You do, you know, you should be good all by yourself <laughs> or, you know what I'm thinking about all the different yeah. ways or that it's, it's really a myth. There isn't, there really isn't this uh single by circumstance. Black women are, they're good. They're, yeah. they're, they're good alone. Mm-hmm. Like they, and, and the way that obviously that plays into the tensions, animosity, and caricatures of black men as well. There's there's so much in that yeah. as of late that is all over all over the Twitters. But yeah, how how did you manage that voice? Did that voice come up for you in your own head or mind? And did you think about a response to those who might say, "Well, this isn't really this really isn't a problem." Yeah, yeah. Um, you know that. I just, for me that, I mean, the data just abounds, you know what I mean? And so listen, I I know that, you know, denial, you know, is a, is a, is a survival strategy for some, I don't know if it's the best one, but you know, you guys, it's it's meant to be temporary. temporary. (laughs) We don't, we don't live in the defense mechanism. You got to do whatever you got to do to get through. I, I really, I empathize. I understand, you know, but the data is the data, you know, um, and the numbers just don't lie. And so, well, unless I guess somebody's manipulating it, but okay. But by and large, the numbers don't lie. And so, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, cause I, there is an element where people want to heap shame on you for desiring it. And you see the pendulum swing the other way, right? In culture where it's like, oh, this is not a problem. We don't need to fix. I found so much, you know, liberty in, in, in my singleness and doing all that, which is great. I mean, that's, that's wonderful, you know, but I don't, I don't know who does it serve. Well, or who do we serve or how does it serve us by denying <laughs> if if you have a desire for marriage how does it serve you or even um other black women or other people by you denying that deep desire i actually think that's a recipe for bitterness um and uh callousness uh and misdirected anger toward right, one another right, right. and so i don't i don't know that we're served you know by that i know that there's freedom I know that the truth actually frees us. And so I, I, I don't know, whenever I, whenever somebody tries to hit me with, you know, some sort of like shame or that, I'm always like, wait a minute, no, 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 no. On this, I know I'm right. <laughs> because I know that marriage was God's idea from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And so I know that, so you're not going to shame me for this. I'm actually, what, what my desire is actually a reflection that I am truly God's child. That doesn't mean that if you don't desire, you're not. But I'm just saying this is one of the this is this is one of the reflections. You know that oh this is, this is a good thing that God has created. I should want to partake in that. You know what I mean? Like so, I was like, nah. I, this is a God given desire. Like so, y'all not gonna shame me for that. I just sorry. <laughs> you could try to shame me for other things. You could try. You know, the Lord knows some of that <laughs> stuff is stuck. But on this, I was like, nah. I know I'm right. Which is why I talk about you know righteous anger. In this uh, in this chapter too, trying to make sense of that. Well, this has been a discussion that I hope drives people to read the book, absorb the chapter, and then think about you know what it's what it's like to really see someone's story of expressing desires 
and through faith. Yeah, you know, through yeah. faith, yeah. Um, having a an adventure. We would say there's some there's some adventurous tales. <laughs> <manifest. laughs> oh, there there are some funny. There really are some funny moments in here. Yeah. Some little pop culture yeah. connections. So I think you all, even though there is, you know, the, the the numbers. Yes, they're there. But I do think I hope at least. That the um, the listener, the readers, the listeners who will turn mm-hmm. readers because you will pre-order the book, correct, and you will buy the book, <laughs> will um, will be able to take you know uh, take some stuff away you know from it because there there are some little funny little you know uh, nuggets in there and stories in there because yeah you know this dating streets are just funny so <laughs> anyway thank y'all for interviewing me on my my singleness chapter on your on your manifesto on my manifesto and of course we want to thank our sisters for sitting at the table with us let's keep the conversation going tweet us your thoughts and i know you got thoughts <laughs> tweet us your thoughts about behind the book hidden in plain sight a single black woman's manifesto using the hashtag truth table black women y'all can join our black women's facebook discipleship group okay like our page and go ahead and answer the entry questions invite your friends too. follow us on twitter instagram and facebook at truth table and email us your thoughts at ask table at gmail.com don't forget to rate and review the show on itunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truce Table has a Patreon account, so y'all can send your love offerings to patreon.com slash table, or you can bless us at paypal.me slash table. Truce Table is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York. And our video editor and producer is Daryl Bradford. We have been your hosts, Akemini, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.